It's Sam Swikowski here from the Fremantle Dockers, and you are listening to the Footy Mailbag Podcast with Damo and Ella. Hello and welcome to the Footy Mailbag. This is episode three of our team preview series. And this episode is featuring Richmond, North Melbourne, Melbourne, and Gold Coast. But first, let me introduce myself. My name is Damo, and joining me, as he usually does, is Clarky. How are you, my friend? Doing good. It's another week, and we get to talk about my team this week. Yeah, we do. Um, <laughs> <You> motherfucker. <laughs> and our special guest today is none other than the number one fan of the father-son rule, Lek Dog. Thanks for being here. I'll walk, mate. I will walk off this damn podcast. Thank you for having me on for the four most boring teams in the AFL. Appreciate it. I'll speak for him. Clarky resents that. No, hey, look, Melbourne might be a mess behind the scenes, unable to keep players on track and up to behavioral standards. They might be boring, but what was the fourth thing that you said? (laughs) They are not a porn star. Yeah, that. Before we get started, I just want to remind our listeners that Supercoach starts in round one, not opening round. Your team will be open to tinker with all through the first four games of the season. You'll be able to see role, rookies, and form. But the players who feature in opening round will have an extra buy that we have to navigate. All buy rounds will be best 18, and those opening round players will also rise or fall in price a week earlier than everyone else. If you can't tell, I was reading that because I had to write that down. So if you've listened to that, you won't retain it. We'll send you notes. <laughs> I don't even remember what we were talking about. So, Like the closer we get to the start of the season, we're seeing different strategies to do with the early buy rounds. Some people are even changing tact based on prices and what is being found to probably be the optimal team structure. But we're also getting to the point of the preseason where the lack of information is causing people to go around in circles. What strategy are you thinking might be what works in the in the in the end? I made my team on the day Team Picker opened, and the first time I've opened it is right now, and I have 150 grand in the bank. Team looks pretty good though. There's a few rules to stick by when you're playing Super Coach. One, and I know Abs is going to hate this, um, just to calm down, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, don't worry about the buyers. Who cares? We'll vibe it out. Two. Trade ass off. Three, don't start anyone in defense or forward over 550K. You do those three things, you're going to be fine. I'm telling you, you're going to be fine. Don't stress about it, baby. I agree. I was considering not even making a team this year at one point, to be honest with you. So I'm obviously going to because I can't get that itch you know, out of my body. But I, I, I don't have the mental fortitude to, to stress too much about optimal optimal team structure and stuff. I'm going to get the players that I want in. I'm going to try and spread out my players across a few different teams. I don't want to load up on too many from one team. And honestly, there's always so many injuries, so many role changes that your starting plan always gets thrown out by round three. Like the, you're going to start Nick Dacos and Bontempelli and, and I don't know, Sam Flanders and Max Gorn. And by round two, you're going to have to trade two of those guys probably. So I try not to worry about it too much. Based on that advice, I'd also like to point out that I have a post-it note on my computer screen that is actually advice that you gave me, I believe, about two years ago, which literally just says pick players you actually want. 
And that's probably as true as ever. Yeah, look, I last year, I, what am I? I finished about, what is that, 2,900, which I know some people listening will say that's crap, but I know a lot of people listening will think that's pretty good. And I didn't really abide by the rules. I'm looking at my finishing team on my bench. I had Himmelberg, Redmond, Mills, Jack McRae, and I still had a full primo team on the field. So, and I just didn't, I just picked guys I liked and I just picked guys who had low break evens when they had low break evens and I cashed out on guys when they had high break evens. And like, if you do that again, I reckon most of the time you're probably going to be okay. In this week's episode, as I said at the top of the show, we'll be covering North Melbourne, Melbourne, Gold Coast, and Richmond, and Lechdog as our guest. Which part of the ground would you like us to start with? I mean, look, why break a perfect formula? Let's start in defense, top to bottom. All right, so starting in defense, and we're starting with Harry Sheasel, North Melbourne defender, averaged 99.5 in 23 games. 90 scores above 16. In fact, all of his scores above 90 were above 98. So the rest of his scores were all under 79. He's 556,200. And, well, is he a premium? Unfortunately, too expensive for me. It's a really hard rule. It's a really difficult rule for playing super coach. But his run home is particularly delicious. The last few games, 103, 126, 114, 56, 135, 136, and 114, not to mention all the tons he had at the start of the year. It's not often you look at the the second-year player. Obviously, Dacos is probably one of the few exceptions to that rule, but Sheasel might be the next one. He's, well, I mean, he's bloody good. The only question is role. I actually would prefer him behind the ball than in the midfield, just from a super coach scoring perspective in terms of, you know, is his body up to the the full midfield time? And then they've brought in a couple of guys, which apparently they're trialing behind the ball. So there's a question mark over role for me, but I think you can look at him as a primo. However, he's probably a little overpriced for my personal comfort to be starting him in my team. I just worry that even though he had such a great first season, it was it because the ball was down there so many times that he had such a great output? If he moves up the field, is he going to have as much opportunity to score as well as he did in his first season? Which then brings the question, is he a premium? And does this make him very overpriced? I'm gonna like I'm gonna try and keep it real simple this year when I'm building my team, and it, I'm gonna look at every player I look at. And go, what's probably gonna happen? Is there upside in this selection? Will or will they lose price and I can pick them up cheaper later on, or will they roughly produce the same? And if they're gonna roughly produce the same, I actually think you can probably avoid them to start. If he produces the same and averages a hundred, that's good. But I think we can find other defenders later on in the season for a cheaper price that average 100 points for the year. So he's probably going to be very similar. There's enough question marks, and at 560K, he's just a tad too high. However, I don't know about you, Clarky. I think he'll be a good pod selection. I imagine you'll probably be really happy if you do start him. The I think you pointed out the biggest issue that we have with Sheasel at the moment is that question of role. So the training reports indicate that he's been playing more mid-forward and Zach Fisher, I believe, is the one that they're sort of saying he's going to play a bit behind the ball, which I'm sure you'll have plenty to talk about. Like, So at 
550, it's probably a better idea to maybe fade him. It's a great pod selection, like you said, but it might be better to fade him for someone more consistent if you're going to put up a decent price for a player. I think I want to know, is he going to continue taking kick-ins? He took in like three or four on average last year. The games where he had zero kick-ins, 98, 79, 112 was good, 107, 53. Like, they're middling scores. Kick-ins are guaranteed points. Is he going to be the one kicking in? If not, then I'm probably less interested. There's also a big Aaron Hall and... Jack's evil hole, shaped hole in the back line of North, as well as a, a certain player who may be facing some AFL house sanctions. That yeah, they, they, look, there's opportunities up. there. Yeah. I just don't think there's necessarily a massive upside. Yeah. Next player on our list is Jaden Short at Richmond, averaged ninety eight point six across sixteen games with twelve scores above ninety. $551,200 just outside the range that you can select him, <laughs> Dog. Yeah, he's he's $1,200 too expensive. I'll tell you what, I would probably, if I really wanted a jaded shot, I'd probably be able to talk myself into the $1,200. He, we, again, roll, question mark, love him when he's playing in defense, can go missing in terms of Injuries can go missing as in out of the team because of injuries. New coach, you'd think he wants some stability back in defense. You think you probably put the ball in Jaden Short's hand. I can't imagine he becomes or continues to be the midfielder he was sort of uh, in 2022. I think probably underpriced, if I'm looking at my what is probably going to happen view of things, I think Jaden Short is probably going to outperform, what's he priced average, 98? Probably going to outperform that. Could go 105 if he's playing a defensive role. If I'm a new coach, that's where I'm playing him. I think there's some upside in Jaden Short as a selection. And what about the next player on this list, Nick Vloston? Uh, 92.1 across 21 games in 2023, 11 games above 90, 514,700. Clarky, does Nick Vloston have any interest to you? Out of, out of the two, I'd probably have to side with Jaden Short. Nick Vloston is a talented footballer, but I think... You're putting your best guy on the job, and that at the moment seems to be Jaden Short. So he doesn't, Lawson doesn't really tempt me, but I don't know, like if you could be talked into just about anyone, but <laughs> I can be talked into anyone. Yeah, not not Nick Lawson. Look, he, he's cheap at five hundred and fourteen k, right? Average ninety two, but he very much feels like to me every year we get these defenders. That float around the 500k price, they dip to 460, they jump up to 560, they're sort of in that scale, and they all pretty much do the same thing. Do I want to start one that I don't think has a huge amount of upside? If if I'm backing in Richmond's defensive structure, I think the if there's extra points to go around, however you want to put it, I think they're getting pumped into Jaden Short more than Nick Vloston. I think as a draft prospect, he's going to be safe because he's going to give you 90 points a game. I think that's a good thing. But I think in for talking salary cap, 
the more likely in my mind to to benefit from that uh the new coach and and putting the ball in your in your good user's hands is, is going to be Jaden short i'm a big nick vlosten fan i wouldn't start him but i wouldn't cross him off your list as a potential trade-in option later down the line in this in the season um but if i was going to start one of them Jaden short probably gets the nod for me but that early buy it's probably um something that might swing in someone else's favor in the end just because there's that early buyer to navigate. Yeah I, think, yeah. I think if you're really struggling and you kind of want someone with a bit of consistency and you're going through the defensive list and you feel a bit lost in space, he could be a half decent selection just to sort of round out with a bit of consistency. I think you'll be able to get both of these guys at 490k at some point in the year. So I don't think they're they're must-haves unless they're the preseason role is oh they're ta- you know Jaden Short or Nick Vlosten they've taken ten kick-ins and they've played in from ten and you know they're literally using them as the the, the single way out of defense so that's the only it's asterisk January. yeah yeah it's the, the January problem yeah I don't I don't want to talk about the what too many what ifs if we can. Will Powell at Gold Coast, defender 91.9 across 18 games, nine games above 90, $513,500. Clarkie, you traded him into your team last season. Did he burn you enough for you to completely discount him this year? I don't think he burned me in an outright fashion of he just started playing poorly. I think the the role and the way that he was being used in those high-scoring games changed as it went on. So he had a couple of games where he was really being used as a main distributor in that deep back line, and they were using him to break through and get the ball pushed into the midfield and forward. And then he just wasn't... It just wasn't going his way or anywhere near him for a couple of games, which ended up pulling him out. I think, really, he's kind of a trap, He's someone that you want to trade into rather than start if if that was the direction that I was going. Dimmer is going to do a few things at Gold Coast as well. So there is that uncertainty in just exactly what the game plan looks like and we'll know who he's going to be favoring and who he really wants to do those things and to be those main distributors. So that willpower's touches were really what dictated his scoring so the games that he was scoring well in he was being used utilized really effectively and a lot and then he would just disappear yeah i'm looking through his numbers here on dfs his points per minute were really high when they pushed him up to the up the ground or started him in the wing now i'm not going to sit here and pretend i I watched all the games and know if he did that the whole season i'm just looking at starting positions he scored pretty well when he was starting as the wing this is a dimmer op- this is an opportunity for dimmer to to pick a couple of defenders that he wants to be ball magnets and be the next Jaden Short and Nick Vlosten. I don't know who he's going to pick. There's a world where that's Will Powell, but I I agree. I reckon he's probably more of an upgrade target. He he feels like a pod for the sake of starting a pod if you're starting him. If you really believe in him as a, as a breakout, then by all means start, but I think your starting team you know, pick players you like, right? But also, you don't need to start pods. You can bring pods in and differentiate yourself from round two or round one or however it works this year. 
Starting the good rookies and the good premiums is a good tactic because they will get you points and cash. What you do with your cash is, is that's where you spend it on pots. So he, he's definitely one that I'd be looking at as a as probably a quick early upgrade target if the role's there. Yeah, that's a good point. Start players you like, but be reasonable to yourself. <laughs> be realistic. Yeah. Venturing into your team, Clarky. now... Angus Brayshaw, um, 89.8 across 23 games uh, in 2023, 10 games above 90, 502,000. Seen him in quite a few teams. Um, he's quite a popular starting pick already. Where do you, what's what, what, what's your um, what's your opinion on starting Angus Brayshaw? It could go a few different ways. So there's a couple of players in, from Melbourne's list in this defensive list that we've got. So it's Angus Brayshaw. We've got Trent Rivers in here as well. And Marty Hoare has recently re-signed as well with Melbourne. Angus Brayshaw as a defender was playing through that half back, and they kind of put him there to be someone who A, could rotate into the mid quite easily a couple of times a game, and B, somebody who is level-headed, has a really clean kick, and just is able to use the ball without panicking himself. And that's what Gus is really good at. And I love him for it. Clayton Oliver is a massive question mark. And we'll get into that, the him specifically. But without knowing exactly what's going to happen with that, is he even going to be there round one? That means that there could be upside for Brayshaw to increase his center bounce rotations, which for years everybody knows that that's where Angus Brayshaw kind of would prefer to be. Uh, I don't think starting him is going with the narrative that kind of suits at the moment with all the question marks that we have. If you're going, there's upside there because he's going to get more mid time uh, as a defender, which is going to pump up his scoring because I think 90 is probably about right for him as a halfback and maybe like a couple of games of there, like a 120 or like a you know 130 where he gets 40 million disposals and absolutely has like 95% disposal efficiency. So there's a kind of a bit of a narrative that you have to tell yourself to really start him. For me, you know, I champion anyone to pick a great player, but like we were saying before, pick, pick players you like, but you kind of need to be realistic about what the output's going to be. And I think as a halfback, if he has a similar role to what he has last year, it's probably going to be around the 90, so he doesn't really represent value. And you mentioned Trent Rivers as well. Um, 84.8 over 23 games, 8 above 90. Another possible beneficiary of Clayton Oliver not being there. Lechdog, Brayshaw and Rivers, if you were selecting one, which one would you choose? But is there merit in, in picking one or the other? Yeah, look, I think in pretty much every circumstance, I'm not going to pick either of these guys. But if if, if I had to pick one, I think 100% of the time I'd be picking Trent Rivers. There's a few reasons. One, there's a sort of upside, sort of breakout opportunity there. Two, the, they used him a fair bit based on his heat maps. His possessions were sort of all over the place last year. There was games where he was deep in defense a lot. There was games where he pushed up on the wing, and there was even a few games where a lot of his possessions came in that forward 50. If that is solidified into a more defense pushing up into the wing role, I think there's definitely some some huge upside for him. The question mark for me was probably over 
his usage of the ball. If he can clean that up, he'll improve his scoring. I think the raw stuff is there and the opportunities there, but you need to you need to see it all sort of fall into place. So he's your classic. He's not a mid pricer really, is he? He's like four hundred and seventy k, so he's an awkward price. But he's your he's he's your pod. You're stamping in your team and going, no, this guy's this is his breakout year if you're picking him. And I think he could do it, and I think he is more likely to to go bang than Angus Brayshaw is. In that, I'm talking in terms of ceiling this year, not necessarily floor. Brayshaw has a lower floor or a higher floor, but a lower ceiling. That's how. That's where I'm sitting. It's it's really interesting the people picking Brayshaw, but then in the same breath talking about the buy rounds and talking about the players you can't select because Melbourne obviously participated in opening round, but these people are just as quick to lock in Angus Brayshaw as a defender. And there's no right or wrong strategy with these buyers because it hasn't happened yet, so you don't know what the strategy is supposed to be, but. It's just interesting that he's locked in, but they're not locking in any any and they're not locking in anyone anyone else because of those opening round buys that people are stressing about. So I find it interesting that he's the one that they're locking in, considering what you said that he doesn't really have a high ceiling, but he does have a quite quite a high floor. So I don't know. It's just an interesting that he's the one that people are jumping on as a as 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 a lock in defense. Yeah, since 2018, he's have averaged he's had a season average low, which was 2021 of 67, a career average high in 2022 of 100, and then just sort of middle like 80 to 90-ish rest of the time and I reckon that's probably what he's getting you. You need best case ever scenario gets you a hundred points again at that five hundred and thirteen k price range. You can find that later on. I think it's probably a quotation marks safe pick, but I don't think there's upside there. Whereas Rivers just has a little bit of something, something. You know, he jumped from fifty nine to eighty five from twenty twenty two to twenty twenty three, which is a fair jump. And I think with a few tweaks, we could see another ten to. If he repeated that jump or got it up to 95 to 100, I wouldn't sit here being super shocked. And the popular rookie is in defense. James Trezai's 207, almost 208K, 93 in his one game in the final round. Thanks for debuting him. Uh, <laughs> Tom Brown, Josh Gibkiss, Marty Hoare, Toby Pink, Riley Hardman, Will Graham, and Sam Closey. Um, they're all players who people will be keeping their eye on for a potential start in round one. Yeah, I love Hardiman as a prospect. Don't know if he starts round one, but he's one I've cer- certainly got circled. And yeah, I've seen a lot of hype around Josh Gibb because he does feel like, and even Marty Hall, those players that debut, play games, and then disappear for a year or for whatever reason, they're always popular when they return, whether they're good or not. So I think we've got quite a few cheapies that we can pick from in defense and it, it, it you always end up with more than you think you're going to on to the midfield um clayton oliver for six hundred and seventy-four thousand. i don't think anyone's picking him at this stage because we don't know if he's going to be there hope the young man's all right and getting the help that he needs yeah won't be picking him even if he's comes back this week trains every game and rocks up around one eye will not be picking him 
Christian Petrarca, 119.5 across 23 games. All scores above 90, 667,700. He's probably going to be the main beneficiary of no Clayton Oliver. Yes. I'll leave it to you, Clarkie. I don't... What else is there to say? His record speaks for himself, uh, and he's going to win the brown light this year. <laughs> Jeez, I, I, Oscar, Oscar I saw a back in the league, bro. <laughs> yeah, bring back Tom to set off some brotherly rivalry. Um, I unequivocally love Christian Pajaka with every single piece of me. Before we recorded this, I watched uh, just a little highlight reel from training of Christian Pajaka and. Oh Lord, gave me a gave me a case of the vapors, gentlemen. I think he will use this as an opportunity to do what he needs to do and step up as a leader of the club. He already was before, but I think he let himself on those sort of more down games. He will kind of let himself be played out of it or step back a little bit when he needs to step forward. And you see Jack Viney kind of does the reverse of that, where Viney just gets what he has to do done. But those big games are when he goes, oh, hang on a second, like, I need to do this. So Christian Pedraka without Clayton Oliver, I'd probably be interested, and if I was better prepared, I probably could have done this myself, but to see the comparison of what he did without Clayton Oliver. But I guess um, the majority of 2023 or the end of 2023 was enough of a, indication of what Petrarca is capable of without him. So for me, I think he's an easier lock as you can pick of any of the premium midfielders just to give you someone with a safe floor and a captain option every week. Yeah, so my only question marks are probably had a slower run home last year in terms of scoring. Is that because of the mounting pressure? It wasn't amazing in the in those final games, but but I, I'm that's kind of if I'm trying to find a reason to talk myself out of him. I think he's a pretty easy selection. I don't know if there's if we're talking about is there upside? Will he do the same thing again, or will he drop off? I think he'll probably do the same again. Maybe a slight drop off in terms of scoring, but locking in a dude who I think's an absolute lock for a one fifteen plus. I think that's absolutely fine. And we know what the path to success is, right, for him or for increasing his average from last year, which was 120, which is very hard to increase on. And that's having no Clayton Oliver in the team. Well, guess what? Clayton Oliver might not be in the team. So I think he's a very, very easy selection. He plays lots of football as well, which is a huge tick. We love that in our premiums. But yeah, you're you're picking him... This isn't a value proposition. You're just picking him because you want, for the same reason we picked Clayton over the last five, six years. It was like, I want a guy who's going to score all the points this week. Next player on our list is Luke Davies-Uniac, North Melbourne midfielder, 113.6 over 14 games in 2023, 12 of those above 90, 635K. Here's my issue with North Melbourne and Luke Davies-Uniac. Even if he did not appear on the injury report throughout the year, th- throughout the week, he would be a late out in games, f- and then they wouldn't tell us the reason until afterwards. That's my only issue with selecting him. Yeah, I mean, what's what's he priced at, Damo? Sorry, repeat that for me. 
635k. Oh, yeah. That so he is an absolute prime candidate to become an Uber primo. We said that last year and he in in his first two weeks he pumped out a 143 and a 155. Run home last year since returning from uh, injury round 16 onwards. He went 122, 94, 134, 129, 133, 127, 106, 125. I don't know what that is in average, but it looks like it'd be about a 120 plus. <sighs> is he going to be fit? Is he going to play every game? Because he's absolutely dead set, has everything in the world set up for him to be potentially the best supercoach scorer. If he plays every week, the best supercoach scorer for this year. But I just don't know if I can invest 635k in a guy when I have some question marks over his body. There's there's another North midfielder as well that I think I have a little bit more interest in purely because of those reasons as well, if I had to pick one. But I also would probably think that maybe Davies Uniac was more unlucky than anything else rather than you know, it being a matter of he wasn't fit and couldn't get right. Like sometimes it's just a shit year. And I think when he was on the park for the most part, he did really perform, but it probably didn't quite live up to his 2022 kind of breakout. And like you said, on the cusp of being an Uber premium, is that the kind of capital you want to invest in a guy like that? When, you know, we've already covered off like a Christian Petrarca, who's in the grand scheme of things, not that much more expensive. And, there's a number of other players around that price mark who are probably going to represent a bit more consistency. He, I guess, I guess the counterpoint, if I'm if I'm speaking for LDU, who by the way I started last year, if I'm speaking for LDU as a fan of his, I'm like, well, he's six thirty five k, whatever it is. If I start him and he scores the way we think he's going to, his averages from twenty twenty one. 85 up to 101 up to 114 if he scores the way we think we're going to no one else is going to be able to jump on board and if he does get injured or he does miss a game we can trade him out to another uber premium so i always get stuck in picking like the super old classic like no he's done it for the last 10 years one more year we'll pick him ldu He's pretty good, man, and he's only 25. Like, he'll only be yeah. 25 when the season starts. Well, halfway through the season, whenever it is. Hasn't played 100 games yet. This this could be the cheapest he is all year. It could be. And the midfielders from that draft class are now entering their prime where they're going to, to be possibly the most Supercoach relevant they're ever going to be. So this year is the year to select him for that jump if he is going to make it. And um, yeah, as, as, as you said, it's better to invest the money now and only use one trade to trade him out rather than trade him in and then have to trade him out later that uses two trades. Let me put it this way. I've just opened my team picker and looked at it and he's in my team. So I must be pretty, I must be pretty high on him. I, like I think I might've sounded a bit negative at the start. He must be good. He's in my team. There's, I'm just I'm just looking through the list here as well, Damo. Do we talk about the Jai Simpkin factor? We can talk about Jai Simpkin, yeah. Cause I think he is if you're not that sold on Luke Davies, like, 
and it comes it comes to, it comes to the old thing that we always say Luke Davis Yang, you're injured until you're not right so whatever run it was that kept him out of form but if you're really interested as well I think Jai Simkin is someone that we should be looking at as far as a uh, North Melbourne midfielder just so, because sorry you go oh no I was just gonna ask what what's Simkin's role what is it because he's never been a particularly high scorer. He has had moments and weeks, weeks, strings of weeks where he has scored well. He's never been a high scorer. Is he going to take a leap or is he going to return to form his form of sort of a 90 plus average? That would be my question. I think there's a necessity for him to lead by example. Even though he had he had a down year, he's probably attractively priced as well. It's what is it four forty three. So he he's someone at this point where North Melbourne, let's you know, it's deep in a rebuild period. He's eighteen games in twenty twenty three, seventy five. Was that seventy nine point three super coach average? on a year where they didn't have a coach for most of the year. They didn't really have any sort of... Harry Sheasel was probably the only real bright spark, super coach-wise. Two concussions, finger injury. Another year where I think there are factors that impacted his performance and probably represent some decent value. Because I think he can make that leap to be a 90-plus guy. I think there's a world where you could potentially have them both demo, but we're going to end up with 700 North Melbourne players in our team. Yeah. For the first time in a long time, North Melbourne are very super coach relevant for very different reasons across the board. So yeah, I think, I I think you got to be, I think you got to bring some balance into who you start and who you, and, and who you leave, but you could probably make a case for about half their list at this point. So I think you just got to pick the players that you know what you're going to get rather than the players that um, might be good and might not be good. Is there a fear, again, this is the preseason theorizing, is there a fear that we North Melbourne actually becomes Hawthorne when for years and years they won a lot of games but they had no super coach relevance to it all? Is there Does Clarko Hawthorneify North Melbourne and flatten everyone's ceilings but raise everyone's floors? Is, is that a thing that could happen? I don't know. I think that just comes with the Clarkson game plan and I don't think it had anything to do with where with the roles he gave players. I just think that's the way that he used the players that that he, he had. It's interesting stuff. 443k again, awkward price, but maybe we need to reassess. There's risks you got to take. I think we're going to end up with one or two 400k players in our teams, probably hopefully one more than two. And if you sat there and you said Jai Simpkins in my team, I probably wouldn't think it's crazy. Damon, let's talk about some Richmond or Gold Coast midfielders now. <laughs> Next player, Tim Taranto at Richmond, 106.7 over 23 games. No longer available as a forward. 18 games above 90, 596K. How is Adam Uze going to use Tim Taranto? Great question. That's kind of what makes him yucky to pick. Look, here's the thing about Tim Taranto. I got absolutely panned last year because I didn't want to start him. 
And I know he averaged 107, and I know, but it, it was the inconsistency. He started the year on fire, so I obviously did start him, and it went well. But that back half of the year, 72, 84, 117, 91, 75, 85, 95, 96, 67, it's a bit yuck. It's a bit yuck. And I don't want that. I'm happy to take that risk when he's a forward or when he's a defender, but I don't want to take that risk as a starting mid. And I know it's kind of fashionable to avoid players who lose DPP, but and sometimes there are players who lose DPP who you should still be considering. Tim Thoreno, to me, is just not one of them. Like, he's just going to, at some point, he's going to go on a shit run. And now, it, last year, it was the back half of the year, which is annoying. But maybe it's the front half of this year. I don't know. I I just don't like anyone who butchers the ball that much. <laughs> In that back half of the season, there were some games where he'd be finishing up with 43% disposal efficiency, and he's given away five free kicks. So... He tackles a lot, which is helps keep that number that those that scoring up. But it's you know the tackling drops off, but the disposal efficiency stays the same. I don't know, man. It's a bit it's a bit messy for me. There's a part of me that would have enjoyed having the dead Jacob Hopper because at least I knew what he was going to get. <laughs> we'll talk about the next three players as. as in one go. So Noah Anderson, Matt Rowell and Took Miller, all from the Gold Coast. Um, Noah Anderson averaged 104.9. Matt Rowell averaged 102.3 and Took Miller averaged 97.6. These three players are probably the core of that Gold Coast midfield, but we're hearing all this talk about who else is going to be in that midfield. And it's just a matter of what other role are these players going to have that's going to, what other ways are they going to get their points if they're not in the midfield? Well, I think the, and I, excuse me if this is something everyone's saying, I don't know. I think of the three, Took Miller's the one who's most likely to be used away from the midfield and up in the forward line. I think that's a realistic possibility. Now, this is a guy that averaged 120 in 2022, 125, Jesus Christ, in 2021. He's a beast, but equally, I think he's probably the most. I don't want to say most versatile, but he's probably the one who can they can afford to move around. Like Matt Rowell has to be in the midfield. And Noah Anderson, you don't want to stunt his development by really moving him around. So I think those two are locked into the midfield. And as I've said since their draft, Noah Anderson is better than Matt Rowell, and that's just a fact. Took Miller, he kind of presents value to us if you think he can get back to what he was. But I think of the three, Dimmer would be more likely to ask him to sacrifice his game at times than the other two. We'll talk about him a bit later, but there's also the likes of Sam Flanders who could potentially be part of that midfield mix. There's Ben Ainsworth who's supposedly going to see some midfield minutes. There's, And then they've drafted some players that will need midfield time as well or should maybe see midfield time as as well. So there's a lot of cooks in that kitchen and I feel like there's only a couple of players who you can really bank on getting the bulk of the minutes. Yeah, I don't particularly enjoy any of those selections given what's around them. 545 is very cheap for, for Took Miller. If they come in and say, no, 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 he's 100%, he's our gun, he's the jet, he's our 100% key cog in the midfield, he's the one to pick of the bunch, 
but I just have this this feeling in the back of my head that he'll get asked to do a couple of other roles, um, which would make Noah Anderson the more appealing of, of the three to me. He's also the most expensive. We do have kind of a luxury because of their early buy. I don't know what the tactic is if people are going to start them and rest them, but I'm assuming if you've got an early buy, you're going to look at picking those guys up after their buy rather than as a starting selection. So I'd be just taking a, a look at them for, for the at least the first couple of weeks and then reassessing after that anyway. Gold Coast are playing in round zero, aren't they? Yes. Against, against yep. Richmond. Yeah. But I don't think that's going to give us me enough data to, to then bring someone in for one week, oh, no, have I them think... sit on the bench and then... I was thinking in terms of at least we get that earlier look and then if anything A goes up or down, um, that could be advantageous to pick them up after that buy. Yeah, and the good news is they'll they'll still have, if I'm doing maths correctly, because they got the round three buy, they will still have the price change in round four when most people will have their prices changed the first time. I think, uh, yeah, that math is correct. It's certainly math. It's it's certainly math. At the very minimum, I'll give you that. (laughs) I have said numbers. Uh, Gold Coast have the second buy. So round two is Brisbane Carlton. Round three is Gold Coast Giants. Okay. Yep, so they will play round zero, round one. Oh, so they, their their price will increase. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yes, yep, yep. yep. Ignore everything I just said. Bad math. Um, and there's some North Melbourne mid-prices who, well, actually, one of them's a cheapie, but we'll talk about all, all three of them. George Wardlaw, 365K. Dylan Stevens, 324K. And then Colby McKercher, 202k. Colby McKerch is pretty much locked as as long as he's picked in in the round one team, you'd think. I've seen George Wardlaw in a few teams, and I've even seen Dylan Stevens in a few teams, but I don't know if I like any of the North Melbourne mid-priced sort of selections. I think Wardlaw has an opportunity. I think his game style is good for super coach. I think their core mid is going to be LDU, Jai Simpkin, and someone else is going to be their big three. I don't think it's going to be Taron Thomas. I don't think it's <laughs> going to be Liam Shields. It might be Will Phillips. I think of the guys they have on their list, the most likely for it to be is George Wardlaw. And at 365, he's a risk, but he could be someone that pumps out. If everything lands his way, just because of, how his game's built, he could jump up to a, to an average of 80 plus. Is that enough as a stepping stone? Probably not, but maybe he's just an interesting name. Colby McKerch is a lock. Dylan Stevens is an interesting one. Like I've got him in a bunch of keeper leagues. Yes, he got traded. Yes, new team, new opportunity. I don't know if he's that good. I just, and if he is, he's probably playing on a wing anyway, or he's being the 23rd or 24th man or how many men are going to be on the bench this year. So, He's probably not that enticing, but I just think we should really keep an eye on George Wardlaw. Yep. Okay. And then some cheapies to keep an eye on. Caleb Windsor at Melbourne, 180K. Jake Rogers at Gold Coast, 148K. And then Kane McAuliffe 
at Richmond, 117K. Kane McAuliffe averaged 143 across six games in the Sandful under-18s. So he knows how to find the ball and knows how to use it. So um, if he gets an opportunity early or at any point throughout the season, he's probably going to score well. Agree. I really like Caleb Windsor as well, but at 180K, it's probably it's probably a little bit much. Moving to the ruck line, we've got Jared Witts at the Gold Coast, 106.1 across 21 games, 593K. He, because of the early buy, there's nothing wrong with the selection. It's just not a, it's just, just not a fruitful selection, I would say. It's right. You're basically debating, do I care about that first buy or am I just picking the only Ruckman on their list? And I know they have a couple other guys who call themselves Ruckman, but like it's Jared Witz or Bust, right? And you know what he's going to give you. He's going to score 100 to 110 points every single game. It's nice to lock that in. He might miss some games, but he'll probably only miss one or two. I think most Ruckman are going to miss a game or two this year. How many games do we have? 23 games, something like that. Madness, it's crazy. You're paying a premium for a guy who you know what you're going to get, but I just think this year we have so much value opportunity in the Ruck line that it probably rules him out when you combine it with that early buy. The Jared Witt selection almost feels like your Riley O'Brien selection from last season, Dog. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, look, Riley O'Brien uh, tends to finish in the top three or four for total points. Now, if I had just started Tim English and not been such a cheapskate, everything would have been fine. Did I start Riley O'Brien or did I bring him? No, I traded in Riley O'Brien because I started Gorn and I felt very smug when he scored like 180 or whatever it was in round one or and and then he scored zero in round two and I had to trade him out or how, however that, that went. But yes, I bought in O'Brien instead of English because I was like, I'll just have 95 points every week. And he kind of gave me that, but it's not very fun. No more Brody Grundy at Melbourne. So Max Gorn has come in underpriced, people are saying. 583K, Clarkie, is Max Gorn actually underpriced? He's probably underpriced, but not by as much as people think. A 104 average, like, we have to remember that Brody Grundy didn't really split that much time with Max for his 104 average max missed a couple games and that was where Grundy shined and then he came back and there was a little bit of a split didn't kind of work out and then Brody Grundy just disappeared into the ether so I am for starting Max Gorn if you started him I wouldn't be like this is a terrible terrible selection because he's an easy 120 guy he's got a talented midfield group around him he's still one of the best ruckmen in the league but there's a lot of value around this year. So I think you could probably even go a little bit cheaper with some of the options if you wanted to really lack dog out and go cheapskate. I'm not just a cheapskate. I'm just trying to ask myself, what's the most likely outcome? And often that means pure value. The, the concern I have with Max is probably a bit of durability. He does have a habit of playing through and slowing down 
But on that being said, he also has a habit of taking moments and standing up and just going, no, no, no. I'm just going to get like six intercept marks in a row because we just need it right this second. And I'm not going to do this again for another five games. So enjoy it. Did Max have a 200 last year? Did I make that? Did, did that happen? He had a 215 against the Lions. Insane, right? And that's that's what he's capable of. So you're paying for that. And you're paying for one of the best Ruckman. But I guarantee there's probably a game or two where Tom Ford and spend some time in the Ruck to give Max a rest. Or for some some wild reason, Melbourne bringing Will Verrill. Just for for five minutes <laughs> to repeat uh, to remake Step Brothers. Look, he's thirty two. <laughs> he's a big beast of a man. He can score over two hundred in a game, and he can also occasionally score like sixty. So at five hundred eighty five k, I'm looking at him. What's the most likely outcome? The most likely outcome to me is that he av- scores more. He averages more than one hundred and five points a game, which is what he's priced at. So it is value, but I don't expect him to average 120 points a game. So if you average 110, I think you could find with that 585k, probably a midfielder and a cheaper ruck and get a better combo of total points. Does However, only, he's does in my current team. affect your, your decision on that? Obviously not if he's in your current team, but the early buy, I think, is probably a little bit of a concern as well. So he's got Bice in round 6 and 14. Yeah. Do they play in round 1? They play in round 0. Round 0. So you're getting one less game as well there. That's, as I said, though, I think pretty much every Ruckman you're going to pick, you're going to miss a game from them. So, ah, it's tough. I, I don't know. If you pick him, he's going to be he's gonna be good. Yeah. But I, good. I think you're right that there's a lot of value floating around. And pretty much the same price as Max Gorn is Toby Nankervis at Richmond, 104.3 average, only $600 less than Max Gorn. Yeah, same conversation, Damo, except he's going to get suspended for six games. (laughs) Oh, but he's the captain now. Yeah, he's still going to kick someone in the back of the head. Yeah, probably don't pick Toby Nankervis if I had to give any advice this episode. Probably not. I really like Toby Nankervis as a player. As a super coach selection, though, I I just can't endorse it just because he misses too many games from too many different stupid reasons. Yeah, I like Toby Nankervis, the martial artist, personally. So in 2022, he played 22 games, which was great. 2023, 15, 2021, 16, 7, 2029, 20, 2019. 21 and 21 in 18 and 17, but they're like 700 years ago. He misses games for dumb reasons, as you said, Domo. No, thank you. And North Melbourne have a new number one ruck in Tristan Sherry. 72.9 across nine games last season, $407,000. There is upside to this guy, but I just don't think he's going to be a 105 average sort of ruckman. Do they have any other Ruckman? Who have they got on their list? Taylor Goad, Hamish Charlie, Free. Charlie Combin, is he on their list? I think they're playing him as a key defender now, aren't they? Oh, God. Okay. Or, is that, or is that Coleman Jones? It's one Maybe, of them. Am I thinking of Coleman Jones? They're both tall people. 
Yeah, and they also drafted um, Finbar Maley, who was um, a standout in their recent match simulation as well. So, Well, if Finbar Maley becomes their number one ruck, I'll pick him, Damon, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> so it's, it's basically what I'm saying is it's essentially Tristan Cherry for them or, or, or bust. He hasn't shown us any real reason to pick him. He scored one ton last year. I know it's hard to judge him when Todd Goldstein's always been around. But you're really taking him as a as a mid pricer with huge with like and going, he's going to become a one hundred point per game player. I have no evidence to suggest that's gonna happen. But if you believe that North Melbourne's midfield's gonna be better, well part of that has to be getting tap outs from the Ruckman, right? So I think you're selling yourself you gotta sell yourself a story for Tristan Cherry, Zeri, Sherry, Zeri, eh, Xeri. And I just, there's too many twists and tails in that story for my liking. And then cheapies to think about is Sam Naismith, 123K. And we mentioned him earlier, Finbar Maley, 102,000 for North Melbourne. Naismith Moving- will be great in the three games where <laughs> Nankervis is suspended and he's not injured. He's going to be really good in those games. And moving to the forward line, uh, Shy Bolton, Richmond, forward mid, 96.7, 23 games, 540K. It's it's so hard to trust so many players in this forward line this year. I don't like the forward line. Forward line scares me. I don't want to pick Shy Bolton. I don't want I don't want to do it. But you don't st- have to. Statistically, like the I mean it could be all right. It's probably not. I don't want to do it. Next. Don't pick him. Well, I mean, look, of available forwards this year. He's one of them. By total points, it goes Luke Jackson, Charlie Kerno, Shea Bolton. Shea Bolton is the third best forward based on last year that we have available to us. He played 23 games and he averaged 97. He's under 550K. Legally, I can select him as a player. He is an option. And we're, it's a dearth of forward line options this year. But is he someone you're going to keep all year? That's the question. If you pick him forwards, you're hoping your midfielders get forward status later on. Is he someone you're going to want in your team for the full year is the question you have to ask yourself. I don't trust anyone whose name I can't pronounce on the first go. To be fair, that's a Shay lot of people or, for you. Is it Shay or Shy? Just, just say it differently each time. And uh, Dustin Martin, also um, available in the forward line, 527,000. Is he past it? Can he return to his previous form? Do you mean will he be dusting it off this year? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, like awful. <laughs> That's me, baby. Here's the thing about Dusty, right? We think of him when we remember him for Super Coach as the guy who went a hundred plus every year, and he had that one year where he was really good in 2017. 2019, he averaged 100. 2020, he averaged 101. We're not even counting that. And since then, he's gone 93, 87, 94. So he's probably going to average, if I'm looking at my likelihood of things to happen, he's probably going to average 90. If he's going to average 90, I'll pick him up in the second half of the year at 
480k. Can we have a segment that's just called Lack Dog's Likelihoods? <laughs> Dustin Martin averaged 140 in 2017, which I'm just now realizing is seven years ago. Don't do that. Don't do that, Damo. Don't, how dare you? How dare you on our, our podcast that we built together make me face my own mortality in front of all of the listeners? Dustin Martin, I think, is a pretty low ceiling pick and not one I would be doing in my starting team. He feels safe because he's a recognizable name, but I'm going to be trying to go as cheap as humanly possible in the forward line. Stacking mid and defense is probably the the goal this year. Yeah, that, that strategy makes the most sense. Sam Flanders at the Gold Coast had a great end to the season, averaged... 106.1 after round 14, but 88.4 for the season as a whole. 494K. We mentioned him earlier as a player who who we think is going to see midfield minutes, but the truth is we don't know how Damien Hardwick is going to set up that team, and Sam Flanders probably isn't in that midfield rotation as a lock at the moment. I think that's a reasonable assessment. And I know I've been shit-talking this guy for several years, and yes, it's because I traded him in his first year in a keeper league. That's the primary goal, is for me to will into existence his downfall. But last year, and I was right until I was wrong, I was right that he was a bad starting selection last year. And then he came back from injury or form or whatever it was, and he averaged about 784 points, which is really good. As much as I want to shit talk Sam Flanders, as much as I want to say, oh, what about the role? What about this? What about that? He's sub 500k. He's a forward option. And he was pretty damn good last year. So I, I'm i going to call him a 100 averaging player and he's priced at averaging like, what, 88? That's pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's a case of if trends continue, a... Again, situation. awkward with that early buy. Round three buys, yuck, man. They, the AFL has ruined everything. Just oh. we, I know we all know that, we, but uh, they've ruined everything. In terms of fantasy sport, I don't think the AFL care. Yeah, well, they should care oh, about... I, AFL not caring about something they should probably care about. I play every game in Queensland in round one. I have no issues with that at all. But why would you make it like most of the league wait an extra week? It doesn't make any goddamn sense. I, I was thinking about this, this this morning. I have no issue with them having a opening round a week earlier, but don't make it a separate round. Make round one a split round. Yeah. So there, so like, so there's four games on one weekend and f- and five games on another weekend. Make it make that round one don't have two separate rounds and don't then add in buyers then to make it complicated throughout the season it's i don't think the afl really thought about this they've done that before demo they had remember they'd sydney at gws i think it was they would open up the season a week before no one would give a fuck and then the season would actually start but like a, a split round is way better than making it's just such a drainer on the fans who have waited months and months and months and months and they're like, sick football's back. Oh, shit, my team's not playing this week. Like, that sucks. Just formalise the preseason, like, properly. 
Oh, <laughs> well, that'll never. So here's my thing. Bring back I think, the Wizard Cup, Lack. You're right. I think this is all just a conspiracy just to get us used to having buys because when Tassie comes in, there's going to be a buy every week. So I think this is purely just getting us used to the fact footy is going to happen from a Thursday to a Monday or whatever it is, and, and every week a team's going to miss out. Get used to it. I think that's what this is. I think you're giving them too much credit. <laughs> well, that's fair. Do it like the NFL and just not have games on Saturday and just do Thursday, Friday, and was it Sunday, one game on Monday. Done. Split it that way. Do it weird. In fact, and, just start it all on a Wednesday, every game. And they have about twice the amount of games as we do. So uh, yeah. in terms, because they've got twice the amount of teams. Anyway. Next player, Liam Baker at Richmond. Probably Ooh. sits in a similar, probably sits in a similar basket to Dusty and Shy in that we have no idea how he's going to be used by Adam Uze. He's like a fun, have him in dra- in your draft team. He'll get you 80 points guy. I, I can't see him being salary cap relevant. I forgot that was even a player. Just He's very versatile, which I think works against him, to be honest. Yeah. The next player crossed from Carlton to North Melbourne. His name is Zach Fisher. Available as a forward, but probably going to be utilized across halfback along with 1,500 other players at North Melbourne. 378k is the hype real can we can we buy into the hype of him actually playing across half back well Damo, the fun thing about north melbourne is that they're going to spend a lot of time in half back so all their players have to play there i mean what why why are we talking about him he had two okay statistical games for Carlton when they played him defence last year and he had two bad games when they played him in defence last year. He's never been a defender. He's never been a scorer. Yes, the role's there, but unfortunately the talent isn't. Actually, He's not a good selection. I can explain this, Lek. And this is this is going to be a, a slight gripe that I have with the Supercoach community this week. Stop saying that players are following the Nick Dacos blueprint. <laughs> oh, it's running off the half back through the. I don't know. Nick Dacos did it because he's a great footballer. Not everyone who has a role shift to half back moving through the middle is going to be good. This sort of players have also been doing it for fucking decades. So, yeah. <laughs> Look, uh, genetic this... nepotism. <laughs> I have Zach Fisher in some keeper super coach leagues. I'm happy with that result because I think he'll outscore his average of 67. However, I don't. I just don't see a path to success for him. I know Clarko likes left footers. He's just he's just never done it. He's just never done it. He's not a defender. He's never done it. He's never reached the heights that he should have. I always liked him, but he hasn't actually done it on the field. He's in the middle of his career, and they've got a million other options that they can use. He, he has two bad games. Well, it's the role's gone. See you later. So not for me. Yeah, so I can hedge my bets. I will say that he can do it if he follows the Nick Dacos blueprint. <laughs> if he becomes Nick Dacos or Gary Ablett Jr., he, he can do it. Yeah. <laughs> Next player on this list is Tom Lynch at Richmond. Average 64.3 across four games, one game above 90, 287K. This one's an interesting one because... He maxed out at 570k the previous season when he averaged 94. Um, so 
if you jump off at the right time, Tom Lynch could actually be a, a very good starting selection. I think I think he's. I've got him in my current team. I think he at two hundred and eighty-seven k presents good value for us. And I agree, he's probably not a keeper, and he's not like rookie priced. But in terms of, we know what his role is. We know he's best twenty-two. We know he's cheap, and we know he can score. And if it doesn't work out, it's a really easy fix to go down to a guy on the bubble. So. Heat he, for me, that's a that's a points on field sort of guy. Not sure how their forward line sort of stacks up. They're going to rely on him to kick goals to function, take marks, kick goals, which I think he can do. It's always fun to pick a key forward in your forward line. <laughs> Leck dog, you're excited about this next guy, Jack Billings at Melbourne, two hundred and forty three thousand nine hundred. I'll let you have the floor. Dog shit. Uh, I know. (laughs) uh, Look, I know I've been very negative on a lot of these players, but you made me do these teams. I didn't choose them. Yeah, he's $244,000. You know why he's $244,000? Because he can't get game at St. Kilda. Why the hell would he get a game at Melbourne? We saw uh, Luke Dunstan do this. Jack Billings is the same. I know he's talking about being a best 22 player. Please, please. Come on. I wouldn't touch a Melbourne half-forward player, really, at all. Just because this... Like, Simon Goodwin needs to figure out the forward line because it's his ass at this point. That's It's the biggest fault in Melbourne's game as a whole, and it's holding the team back. If he can't figure that out, that's why, you know, St. Kilda were willing to give up Jack Billings instead of going, oh... Yeah, the, I don't know why. Like, what would we really want? They're like, no, no, no. It's for it's for free. Come, come over. It's for it's for free. I don't know. I'll fi- I'll figure out where it goes. Don't worry. It's it's your partner bringing something home and going. No, no, no. It's fine. We'll figure it out. We'll find space. We'll find like I don't need a bookcase. Yeah, it's like when I took the ten kilo jet printer from work because they were getting rid of. It. I was like, "It's a laser printer." Well, you got a laser printer? Like, Why? Because I took it home on the train. It turned my arms. It was really heavy. It's got paper as well. We don't need a printer. We haven't printed anything ever. We're not planning on printing anything at any point. Why did you bring home the printer? Well, it was free. It was a well, it's free. All right. Well, put it in the cupboard and we'll throw it out next year. Jack Billings. Yeah. The. The reason as well is that I think there's going to be a lot of experimentation. So even if he is best 22 at the start of the year, that that role, that opportunity is, what, one, two bad games away from just disappearing. At which point he either hasn't made enough cash or, if you're lucky, has barely made any cash to make it really worth it. I think if there's nothing, if there's absolutely nothing else and he's named round one, sure. If, if there's nothing else, right, and he's one of, like, four options, there's opportunity there for him to have his body right, That one of the things that was keeping him out of St. Kilda, and new system, playing in a half-forward. Melbourne really want to get it into talented half-forwards. Sure, I can see that. But at this stage, Black Dog's likelihood's probably not. When we play VFL Supercoach next year, he's going to be elite. 
all I'm getting from that, uh, from that entire segment is uh, Jack Billings is almost obsolete technology. Jack Billings is a laser printer and it's 2024. Hey, at least I don't need a subscription to print off it. Not like these new printers. And some <laughs> cheapies too. Cons- <laughs> I wonder if we have to buy ink to fill him up. Did it come with ink, the printer, like? It came with two ink cartridges, which guess what? I still have. Because you don't print things anymore. <laughs> All right. Some, some cheapies to consider. Jed Walter, 198k. Zane Durzm, 193k. Colton Tholstrup, 153k. Braden George, 123k. Sure. And that... And that brings us to the end of the players on this list. Lek Dog, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Sorry for let it for talking too much. It's been a while since I did a super coach content. Follow me on um, uh, follow me on Instagram. <laughs> Alexi L E A L E X I E underscore D O E S. Alexi underscore does. And also follow me on YouTube, because I'm doing vlogs about Warhammer, which is sick. Alexi does on YouTube, or you can search Lekdog on YouTube. Um, and and also Twitter, Lekdog, whatever. You'll find me. I love that Lekdog has, you know, only, mar- only not that long been out of the Supercoach content game, but has come back with the energy of a man who has been a hermit for decades. Do they still have laser printers? I've got the cartridges. <laughs> I feel like I've been in the wilderness, man. I don't talk to that many people anymore. That explains your jungle boy-like hair. <laughs> Clarky, thanks for coming on once again. It's always a pleasure, Damo. We have a very nice show, and I like coming here every week. This has been Footy Mailbag. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.